Are you eating cinnamon toast crunch out of the box? What did I just see? It was cinnamon toast crunch, and I would never eat it out of the box. It tastes better from a bowl, unlike goldfish, which tastes better out of the bag. Follow me for more helpful tips about how to eat your food. You got to dump the goldfish into a Tupperware so that you can put raisins in it. That's weird. No, it's so good. I'm not like, I'm not opposed to it. I can see how this would be helpful. It's just, it's weird. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) We're off to a great start. Yes, for our fiber podcast. Welcome to the Bistitual podcast. Your favorite crafty queer Canadian content. I'm John and I have six different kinds of cheese in my fridge and pretty much nothing else. I'm Kelsey, and I am so fucking envious. What? (laughs) I wanted to have breakfast and ended up having cheese and crackers and an apple because that's about all that's in my fridge. What a good and balanced breakfast. (laughs) I mean, I I think you could probably have substituted both the crackers and apple for other cheese, but I mean, you did your best. I I did have two kinds of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, yeah, in that vein, mm-hmm. um, I thought it would be fun to do Nacho Ordinary Zodiac Quiz. Oh, boy. Um, see where this is going. When it comes to your inner cheese, only your Zodiac sign knows who you truly breathe along with. Oof. Oof. If I if I am American cheese or cheese whiz, I'm quitting the podcast. You are not either. Beautiful. You are, however, loyal, imaginative, emotional, as well as what? moody. How is that emotional <laughs> cheese? What is the emotional cheese? Moody and pessimistic. The cancers in your life would definitely be feta cheese. Wow. Feta is a pickled cheese curd that has a salty and tangy taste enhanced by the brine solution, which will match well with the moody and manipulative traits of cancer. (gasps) Sympathetic and attached to people that they grow close to, cancers can have a hard time fitting into the world, but when they do find their niche, they live in peace and harmony, much like feta cheese and the dishes that they pair well with. It can be hard to work with feta, but when you find that dish that works, it's delicious. You're salty. I mean, I'm, I'm salty. I, I pickle my cheese curds in the brine of my tears. <laughs> um, that's actually, I mean, not no. You know, they're not, they're not wrong. Not wrong. I don't love it, but, but yeah, fair. <laughs> An emotional cheese. <laughs> Cheesy. Um, Libra. Libra is notorious for being diplomatic, gracious, and social, as well as very romantic, with a constant desire to be the center of attention, surrounding themselves with beautiful things, sights, You're brie. and people. Bingo. Brie is brie shit. cheese, known as the queen of cheeses, is a popular, <laughs> smooth, and creamy dessert cheese from France. Put the two together and you have a match made in Zodiac cheese heaven. Those born under the sign of Libra prefer justice and symmetry, with a lot, which aligns with the even flavor of brie. Libras are also known for being indecisive, holding grudges, and wallowing in self-pity. That being said, <laughs> the only indecisive thing about brie is picking what to eat with it. True. Fair. You are 
popular, smooth, and creamy. Those are all words that I use for you. Creamy? <laughs> yep. No. This is John. They're creamy. <laughs> creamy. <laughs> Gross. I hate That's that. how I introduce you to people. JK, well, I don't talk to people. Apparently, I cause people to need more coffee. I mean, yeah. That's not new. You actually, like, totally... What's that word? Enabled. You totally enabled and deepened my caffeine addiction and then decided you weren't going to drink coffee anymore. And so now I have this deep need for coffee all the time and I just can't make it for myself because you're all like, no, I'm going to drink tea and hot chocolate. I drink coffee. I just don't drink it after 12. That's deeply inconvenient for me. Well, maybe you should just like wake up earlier. I don't want that. I wake up at eight. That is a perfectly reasonable time. (laughs) Well, you got to start pounding the coffee right away. I do. But it's fine. It's fine. It is late morning. I have, I'm on my third cup of coffee. I am wearing no pants. This is exactly what I wanted for this podcast. It's a Sunday, you know? Yeah. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. Pants are for weekdays. JK, they're for never. Pants are for chumps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're very much alike. And then sometimes I'm like, nope, not even remotely. (laughs) I think we are exactly enough alike in that it's convenient because we don't have to talk in full sentences, but not so much alike that we hate each other. (laughs) I think we hit a good balance. One of us puts on pants. (laughs) The other. Is that to say that I wear the pants in this relationship? Yeah, you do. Cool. <laughs> nice. So. Cool. How's your Off life? Off to a good start. How, how's your life? It's it's happening. So that's cool. Um, I am so far not entirely on track with my sweater plan in finishing them in that mm-hmm. I found two more patterns that I'm completely obsessed with and absolutely knit, need to knit immediately or I'm not going to be okay. Um, so that's, that's, that's throwing my schedule off a little bit. That's a problem, yeah. That's well, fine. It's fine. Um, I've been dealing with some real bad brain weather. Uh, so I had an appointment with my psychiatrist, finally. Um, and we adjusted my meds and I am now, now taking, uh, I've now been prescribed, uh, like panic attack med and like one of those, like, if I feel a panic attack coming on, you can like take one of these, um, which is cool. It's good. That's a good, helpful thing to have, especially when I was having panic attacks, but not having, you had emotional support panic attacks. I'm not over that and I'm not I'm still like I think about that all the time uh for context friends I was having I was waking up every day with panic attacks and then one day I woke up and I didn't have a panic attack and my body didn't hurt and I could breathe and it felt so deeply unfamiliar and disconcerting that I had a panic attack (laughs) um yeah Yep, which John happily referred to as my my emotional support panic attack. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, now I have, we've, uh, we've balanced, we've, we've tweaked my meds and I now have this additional support for when I need them. Um, which is cool. It's good. I long since came to terms with being a person who will need meds for my life, throughout my whole life. It took me like a number of years to not be embarrassed or uncomfortable or broken for needing meds. Um, and have long since come to terms with the fact that I am able to be myself and function and have the relationships that I have and be the person that I am because of my meds. They make that easier. But for some reason, this new one, this new like panic attack emergency med is like feels weird and different. And now I, I feel like I now have to come to terms with the fact that I'm a person who has to carry emergency panic attack meds. So I'm, I'm working on that. I think this is the first time I've heard you mention them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I know they're common. I know it's a common thing because they are used as the butt of jokes in a lot of TV and media. Chill like, pill? Yeah, your chill pill or like, oh, you know, this, I need a fucking Xanax to deal with this kind of thing. I actually don't know if what I'm taking is it's not called Xanax and I don't actually know if Xanax is similar. Anyway, it's just like, cause usually I wake up at eight 30, I take my meds. Then I fall back asleep. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I wake up and my meds have already started to like take effect. And so I can just like start my day and I don't have to think about it. But now I'm like, I don't know. This is different. It's different. And it's a weird thing to come to terms with. And I feel like it's kind of akin to like taking an Advil when you got a headache. I don't really take Advil though. I don't know. Ah, yeah, I don't know. It's just there. It is a totally normal thing. Lots of people take them. They're super useful. It just feels like I feel like I'm. I, I have to come to terms with being this person now even though that person is really nothing. There's nothing. This is not anything. I don't know. So anyway, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I I was in the shower this morning and there was a really loud thump from upstairs and I almost had a panic attack mm. um, because loud and sudden noises in my house, especially in a place where I'm vulnerable, mm. are apparently deeply triggering. Um, because we're coming up in a year since when the cops broke down my door and punched, pointed a gun at my face because they were looking for my neighbor. Yep. <laughs> yep. I can't yep. wrap my head around all that has happened since then. God. Holy shit, that was a year ago. But yeah. also... That was only, only a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, there's two young children upstairs and they make noises and <laughs> loud sounds. And I'm, I'm realizing now that maybe I didn't quite deal with that at all. And it also makes me wonder 
how much of the stuff that has happened in the last year and a bit I've actually processed and properly dealt with because there's always there's always something else to focus on. That is a common coping mechanism. So I compartmentalize and deal with the other things I need dealing with and just bury my emotions in other tasks. 14 sweaters. <laughs> that's a that's a whole ass new sweater. I got I made a whole ass sweater in a week. You sure did. Because my classes have been happening. You're in school now. I'm in school now. And the first week of classes were all like intros and orientation and stuff, but we're the same like 18 people or so in five classes, all using the same platform. And we have done intros and orientations for these 18 people and this one platform repeatedly. <laughs> um, and I'm really hoping that once we actually get into the swing of things and start covering materials and stuff, I will be more engaged. Because otherwise, I'm just, I've got some very expensive knitting sessions. <laughs> so I spent most of the week that, like, when I was in class knitting. And it's just, I'm knitting a top down raglan stockinette sweater. So it's completely mindless. And probably even if I was engaged in class, I would be able to knit it. Mm -hmm. But I am like three inches away from binding off the body. That's a, yep, that's a whole ass sweater. <laughs> I made a sweater. Um, and speaking of binding off the body, um, I have bound off the body of my elf mail and I am working Heck on sleeves yeah! now. So the end is in sight. I'm so salty that you're going to finish this before me. I really wanted to finish it before you. That would have been so <laughs> satisfying. I might just like bind off where I'm at and just call it like a super crop tee. That's not fair. <laughs> like the pattern said to go, like, I think it, I think it's supposed to be a crop. The pattern said to go from like, for like seven and a half inches from the underarm to where you start the ribbing. So that would be mm -hmm. quite short. I think it would be a crop. But I ended up going about 12 inches. Mm -hmm. So I almost doubled the length. Well, you've got a oh. lot of torso to you. <laughs> um, so I think it's it's super unfair if you bind off now and I did extra body. Nah. I think that counts. I think that counts for something. I mean, yeah, it counts for a solid second place. I dislike this. <laughs> I don't agree. Uh. You're just you're just being salty. I need I need more brine for my cheese curds. Yeah, cry yourself curds. cry yourself a tub of brine. So we've had yeah, it's been it's been time. It's been it's been a fortnight. It's been a fortnight. Speaking of Fortnite and the youths. And the youths. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. I like that. Check that out. Uh, we did a I cool think it thing. was Minecraft though, wasn't it? I think we just made up what it was. I don't think she said anything besides gaming. Yeah, it's possible. Speaking of mine, Fortnite. <laughs> um, so we did a cool thing. A um, 
one of the co-founders and organizers and people from the a very cool program called Passages uh, reached out to us. And Passages is a center for self-directed learning for youths 11 to 18 who, for any variety of reasons, um, don't jive well with traditional school and do better in a environment where they can self-teach, self-direct, um, kind of explore alternative learning methods um, with, you know, like direction and support as needed, um, which is a very, very cool program. And uh, yeah, and the so they reach out to us and um, Christina, um, who's the founder, I believe, reached out to us with a lovely message saying that she found us. She's actually in the junction. Um, and the, a number of the youths that are in the program are queer and do handcrafts. And they, when they found out about our store, they were like so freaking excited. Um, so Christina reached out to us to see if we'd be interesting and interested in chatting with the youths. And we did that. Yeah, we had a nice little zoom two days ago. That was two days really? ago. Really? That wasn't yesterday? Morning, huh? No. Who knows? <laughs> Time's fake. Friday. Yeah, it was it was really nice to kind of I know she I think the main thing that she wanted us to touch on was like the um the unconventional path we took to to opening our yarn store. Mm-hmm. I think she wasn't totally prepared for how unconventional it was. <laughs> got a full sense of the timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The timeline that was approximately two months. Um, and it was funny because she referred to us as podcasters, which is, I mean, technically true, but felt hilarious and like not a term I have ever considered for myself. Oh God. Can you imagine you like make a new Tinder bio and you're like podcaster? I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So that was weird. She also referred to us as adults, which also felt weird. <laughs> it's very confusing. We are adult podcasters podcasting adults we are young professionals uh, even that feels weird i don't you didn't ugh. even put on pants this morning how can did you not. Be? <laughs> did not i'm wearing a batman shirt with no pants <laughs> <laughs> it's a sunday it's fine yeah um anyway so we did that it was super fun uh we got to talk about our unconventional choices um which was very sweet and it was it was neat to have that kind of enthusiasm and like I don't know it was neat I and I'm like I'm just I'm really excited that this program exists I know yeah. I have like I have friends with kids who are really really struggling in traditional schools um and have been kept abreast of the struggles of trying to find support for, for kids that, that don't jive in traditional settings, especially in fucking lockdown. So it's, yeah, I, I sent the, I sent the, I sent the link to them. Cause I think this is just, it's a really cool, really cool thing. And it's nice mm -hmm. to see kids be able to like explore their identities and handicrafts. Pursue their interests. Yeah and and study what actually interests them instead of like what's mandated by your teacher by 
the district or and I feel yeah. like just I feel like kids kids would probably like reading a lot more if they weren't constantly told by all of the teachers and school curriculums in their lives that what they like to read doesn't count then mm-hmm. only reading you know dead white important authors. books yeah is valid like yeah yeah i think i think the school system does education a disservice yeah and it's neat that this opportunity kind of fell into our laps or approached us because this is very relevant to what you are currently learning how to use blackboard for yeah yeah i am yeah in the i think did we talk about this last time i don't know i'm in the um pre-community services program at uh, for college so i'm hoping to go into the um child and youth care program when i'm done this but i just yeah, it was really great to connect with Christina, and we did talk a little bit about that um, before we like started our proper meeting. But I think that would be a really cool place for me to start like doing placement, and um, it's definitely definitely a relationship I'd like to foster. Yeah, and on that note, um, just knowing that this is a it's you know it's a new program, it's. They started four or five months ago, she said. They started in September, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we were super excited to be able to meet a bunch of kids who like doing handcrafts and we want to support them. Um, so we are actually collecting a bunch of yarn and needles and tools and we're going to be donating it to the school so they can um, have those <laughs> to explore and to explore fiber crafts and handcrafts. Um, in an accessible way. So we, through our own stashes alone, have accumulated a astounding number of things to donate. Um, But if anyone local to Toronto would like to drop stuff off, um, you are welcome to drop them off at the store and we will get them there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went through like all my old needles and hooks and stuff yesterday and was like, oh yeah, I have a fair few things that I could, uh, (laughs) I could, I could stand apart with. I have a lot of straight needles. Um, they're the ones I'm, I'm having. A, mm, I have a I have a whole case full of straight needles in all sizes um, that were my grandma's, and they're the needles that you know she made my blankets and my sweaters and all of my stuff on. They're the needles that she taught me with, and so I have this like deep emotional connection to all of these straight needles. But like I hate straight needles, and I'm never <laughs> going to use them, mm-hmm. and they're just sitting they're sitting in my, in the bottom of my stash. I haven't touched them in years, ever since I learned how to use circulars. And like, I, I'm still, I'm still trying to separate my emotional attachment to these needles from the desire to like, I very much would like to have people use them and to like, oof. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I, we have, um, we're gonna be giving them our tutorials, for like beginner patterns um so they can start practicing on speaking of beginner patterns speaking of beginner patterns uh my sister started i designed a little hat and wrote up a 15 it's not a little hat it's a full-on proper hat it's a it's a oh, just a toque it's, it's a little stop. hat stop it stop <laughs> devaluing your work you did a whole no i was gonna talk cool about how hat. i 
did a 15 page PDF with yeah, very in-depth did. photos and instructions on how to crochet this little hat. It's not a little hat. <laughs> it's um, a hat. And my sister started it yesterday. Thanks. Um, and she's done a couple of rounds and she's like, I think I got the hang of this. Fuck yeah. So, Exciting. Yeah. So I think there's a couple other testers out in the world. And once I get some more feedback, I will launch a Learn to Crochet kit. Heck yeah. Which will be exclusively available at BuzzDigital. Yeah. But yeah, that's super exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she like sent me a picture yesterday. She like had her her computer set up and she was watching something and then she had her tablet next to her and she had the PDF open and she's like, it's time. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you get it, girl. Yeah, make that hat. <laughs> That's super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a super exciting new development. Mm -hmm. We're very excited about, especially because the community, like the like neighborhood community, both are the Baby Point Gates and the the Junction, which is like right next to us, has been so supportive. So I'm I'm really excited that we get to do this thing to give back to the people in our community. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of people who are extremely supportive and nice to us, um, there's also someone who is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got this email. <laughs> the community support has been so amazing. And every, especially over the holidays, everyone was, you know, like the people were really making an effort to shop local and buy from small businesses. And that that's amazing. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm, you know, my business like knit me specifically i mean like both by sigil and Nimi, but like right now i'm talking about Nimi specifically like just exploded <laughs> which is really cool and really amazing um but also it means that there's an increase in customer service uh so i've been dealing with some real fun emails from gift recipients and it's fine it's fine it's fine um but i got this email <laughs> from someone who received a December the subscription box and so this this woman had received her first box of a bi-monthly annual <laughs> subscription and she should I read the email is that rude I the the world needs to hear this email I'm just and so the the subscription box for the December box it was uh Zen Yarn Gardens one-of-a-kind mahogany it's so gorgeous this beautiful sparkle yarn um holiday colors a bottle of lotion hand lotion from a local woman-run company and a pattern that i designed for this yarn for you know pair of fancy holiday socks because that's what you do with sparkly yarn so like it's really i'm like really excited about them they're like just really cute fun socks so super excited to send them out um and everyone that I've heard from so far has been extremely excited about them, except for this person. <laughs> so with that context, I received this email. I have received the December sock kit. Do you have a pattern for English knitting? If not, what is the English equivalent to a German short row? I'm rather disappointed that an American uses German style knitting. Are all your patterns like this? I was so upset by this email when you sent it to me that I, I wound two of the wrong skeins of yarn <laughs> because I was so distracted by my outrage. I'm just like, 
now that it's been now that it's over i'm like i can i can see it for the humor that it is but it was it was deeply distressing um because every word is wrong every, <laughs> every word, you just you're so it's what first of all like my patterns are in english the tutorial videos are in english the captions on the pictures that i include are in english the whole english is the only language i know other than latin and i'm not writing patterns in latin because i didn't learn those words like everything is in english what is german knitting and i was just like and like what is the english equivalent of german short row there, that's there there isn't that's not it's just it's just called german short row that's like it's not and i'm not american and i'm not i just every word of this was just so deeply upsetting including the are all your patterns like this god um like god i don't it took so long to respond because like what <laughs> Um, but I, I let her know that the uh, patterns are in English and the, the tutorial videos are in English and it, it's called German short row, but it's um, in English. It's it's in English. The video I link is in English. I am Canadian, but the German short row is a preferred short row method for designers of all nationalities. Um, it's a very popular one due to its simplicity and near invisible look and it's like I just what um and you know let her know that if she has a preferred as as the pattern states um i use german short rows because that's what i find easiest but you can absolutely substitute your your preferred method of short rows yeah. they're all pretty interchangeable um no i've never actually done german short rows i've what? only ever done i've only ever done wrap and turn oh i hate wrap and turn so much Ugh. there's also the um the twin stitch from that I learned from um, the fish lips, fish kiss lips heel pattern, um, which if you're ever looking to learn about the construction of socks and like, it's a fucking masterclass, masterclass on sock knitting for a dollar. Like it is, it is the most helpful an informative pattern I've ever spent, I've ever read, and like the best dollar I've ever spent in my life. Um, like, if you are, if you're curious about how socks work and how to make them, and how like to make knit socks that rival commercial socks, um, yo, fish kiss lips heel, so good. Um, and so she uses the twin, this twin stitch, um, which is for short rows, which is very similar to like the lifted increases. Um, so it's very good also very good um which kind of hits the middle ground of the wrap and turn and german short row because it creates a double stitch but you don't have to do the flippy pulling bit um so you might find that more to your liking yeah i have a pair of socks on the go that i haven't touched in months <laughs> i feel like finish the toe on one of them before and Oof. then start the other so I kind of like stalled out there. Fair. Like you, I think about it a lot. Anyway, is it the that's that's all beside the point. The um, the conversation, the the, the conversations were very centered around conversation is a generous term, uh, <laughs> but the the emails were very centered around the the idea of German knitting. And it's not okay that I use German knitting. And she had to go out of her way to find tutorials with, to find videos with English knitting. Um, 
and and I did I, I did try to clarify whether that was like if it was an issue of English or continental and if so that doesn't affect how the pattern is read but that was that was not it that was not the issue um so anyway so but this, so this was this was just it was so bizarre and it was so mean but mostly bizarre um, mostly bizarre like extraordinarily mean nobody should ever send an email with a subject what is your problem <laughs> nope. like unnecessarily not. cruel but fucking weird it was just the the idea of like german knitting and just this the, this this fixation on german knitting so i i like i looked up like german knitting <laughs> what what is it is it a thing am i wrong no it's not germans knit like everybody else <laughs> <laughs> um but through this this weird anxiety induced rabbit hole that i found myself in i found this article um about the history of German knitting. And it was very neat. And in fact, we, Canadians and Americans and everyone else alike, owe a great deal to German knitters of yore um, for the, the, uh, the cool stuff we get to do today, um, which I thought was actually very neat. And the, so the article was from uh, Peacework Magazine and it's about Herbert Nibling, the grandmaster of lace knitting. I got several, several tutorials on how to say that German name properly from a German partner, and I'm still not doing it. Um, but it was actually super neat because the, so it goes into extensive detail, but also like not extensive detail, specifically detailed about parts of his life. And then they glaze over things, gloss over things that seemed like they would have been important, but like, whatever. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so this guy who was born in like 1903 um, in Germany completely reinvented how knitting was done at the time and the way that lace, lace specifically, um, the way that people can use lace. And it was, it was it's a really neat article. Um, and so not even just lace itself in Germany, like at the time, um, patterns were written out in words and the concept of using um, letters and numbers to do short form of pattern knitting was invented by Germans. Um, and so then that became, then knitting patterns became more widely accessible because they took up less page space. And so they could be, you know, printed in condensed formats and um, more widely disseminated, which is really neat. And then, so this, this little, this little keener, 1903, in 1903, well, he's born in 1903, probably wasn't knitting then, but in the early 1900s, was like reading all these pamphlets and all these leaflets about knitting patterns and just went buck wild with it and created what is now, or like what's kind of like turned lace instead of just kind of functional stockings and gloves and um, like doilies and stuff, like turned it into like art knitting um, and was doing really elaborate designs that like kind of what we see with the charts now um, instead of just simple repetitive motifs that are done on small circumferences for wearables was like, I'm going to just knit a tapestry 
And he did that. Um, and through that, he also invented charts because you can't write out a 300 row pattern when every row is different yeah. and increasing in stitch size. That's bananas. So he invented charts. Um, and then through all of this stuff, he he was deeply invested. He was deeply interested in plants, plants and knitting. Um, and so all of these incredible, like, look at this. Oh, wow. So all of these really incredible lace patterns that he was knitting and designing um, were all like botanically accurate for his, to his favorite plants. Um, so he would spend a lot of time in the garden and then would like look at the plants and then just knit them in these huge uh, table coverings. What a nerd. Like honestly, he's such a fucking keener. He got <laughs> conscripted into the war and then he was just hanging out in the trenches and he knit all of his commanding officers these big fucking lace table coverings. Brown noser. That's what I said. Um, it, but they were widely admired. Um, it's also really funny because he, in talking about the plants, I need to find it. It was so funny. Because like the knitting at the time was traditionally a feminine pursuit like women were knitting stockings they were knitting yeah they were knitting they were knitting functional, yeah functional things that people need um and so then he came in and he did this and he like modernized it he made it all like cool and accessible and was doing all these cool things oh for also for the record these like giant table coverings are done in a thread size so small that it's no longer it doesn't exist anymore it was size 200 crochet thread and he was using um, size double zero needles, which is 1.5 millimeters needles to That's... knit these giant table coverings. No. Yeah. Like just, I, ca I can't even, I, woof. His floral designs reflected the gardener's attention to details of shape and texture. And many of them bear the names of flowers from the garden and the hothouse. Indeed, his best-known likeness shows a somewhat bookish man with sharp features and a broad, high forehead with attention closely focused on a pot of cyclamen as he works at the drawing board. In the magazine interview, this is from a magazine interview, mentioned above, he speaks of breaking the heaviest spade handles while working in the garden, which allowed the interviewer to assure readers that while he excelled at feminine pursuits, he was quite capable nonetheless of manly work. Garden so hard. He guarded so hard just to prove he was a man. <laughs> Which is so, so bizarre. But but fear not, he married a woman. Uh, so Sits hats are at it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, was so straight that he died shortly after she did. That's so interesting that this happened a hundred years ago. I know. It's it's a really interesting, like really interesting article. It's it's long and a little more dense than I think it needs to be, but it, it was very cool to just kind of see this specific look at what where different cultures developed knitting and how it all like and now with the advent of the internet, like they all kind of blend together and like we all like charts are super common. But they were invented as far as I know and as far as my cursory research has shown like where it's invented by this guy in Germany because he wanted to knit flowers for his commanding officers. officers. <laughs> That's um, wild. Yeah. Um, 
so it's, it's it's really cool and because like german short rows are the best the german twisted cast on is the stretchiest and least layered cast on like i freaking love i use both of those in my my uh controversial sock pattern <laughs> <laughs> like german knitting is cool you know mm-hmm. and yeah yeah the germans they know what's up <laughs> I think it's also interesting because like a couple, I guess a couple episodes ago, we were talking about all the neat shit people were doing with knitting and yarn craft now. Like we were talking about Zandy Peters and stuff. And it's like constantly evolving. Truly. And, and has been evolving for since 19, since, since the 1900s. Probably before that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like for something that is, it's two sticks and a string. Yeah, and it's hard. It's so simple, and yet, like, it keeps evolving, and we keep finding new ways to do it. And oh, it's so cool. It's neat to see. Like, it was neat to see the term art knitting. Like knitting for like knitting. Like for me, knitting is like you you make things to have like you. Practical thing. Yeah. Like you make socks or you make a sweater or you make a blanket, you make a hat. Like, and the idea of just knitting a massive fucking doily. Yeah. Is so cool. And, but also, like, I guess I did that last April with the tree tapestry. Like, I, I knit a tapestry with, like, in a knit frame. Like, it, I knit art. In the technical sense. Oh, that feels obnoxious. Yes, I knit art. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I don't know. It just, it's so cool to see knitting. Yeah, just the the history, like to learn more about the history of how we got here and that it was, you know, knitting, art knitting is what it is because of this fucking keener. Who loved knitting and plants, and I love that. Mm-hmm. It's very neat. Um, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. So you know what? Screw you, grumpy person. German knitting is cool. We we owe the Germans a lot. Mm-hmm. One German in particular. Mm-hmm. Well, no, a bunch of the other ones. So he wasn't the one who did the um, the short forms of patterns. Mm-hmm. That was in the 1830s. Oh. So 100 years after that, he came around and was like, I can make this better. So we're due for a massive upgrade in about 10 years. I mean, you're getting stuff tattooed on you. That's <laughs> change in format. We're also going to get patterns tattooed. <laughs> but like the, some of these, like, these are Lily of the Valleys. And like those are Lily of the Valleys. Like you look at that and like, yeah, that's that's wild. That's Lily of the Valleys. You knit them. And he did that with thread. With thread. The oh, where is the his finest work was a tablecloth measuring about thirty nine inches or hundred centimeters square, weighing only about an ounce or thirty grams, and could be drawn through a finger ring. So like a whole ass tablecloth could be pulled through a ring you wear on your finger. 
just wild. Um, yeah. And so he, uh, yeah. And so the article kind of goes through all that and then talks about, you know, how modern a lot of his patterns were published without attribution. So it's been hard to kind of track the, the full amount of like influence that he's had. Um, mm -hmm. But with the internet, like there are forums and websites dedicated to kind of collecting and republishing his work and kind of keeping this, this style of like art knitting alive, which is also very cool. So I'm looking forward to exploring that further. Yeah. I'll throw a, a link to the article up on the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it ends with um, tips for if you want to explore his patterns and you want to try knitting and stuff. Um, they've got a bunch of tips from generations of knitters who have tried them and has helpful tips and tips and tricks, and then a bunch of uh, a bibliography for the reading. It's very neat. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Fuck yeah, German knitting. Anything else? I think we're good. Thank you for listening to the 16th episode of the Bicycle Podcast. You can find our show notes, including photos and links to patterns and designers and the things we talk about on our website, bicyclepodcast.ca. We are on Instagram as at Bicycle Podcast. You can find me at underscore dangerous John and Kelsey at KelseyGrammar23. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you can get your podcasts and help us reach more disaster query art folk. Join our Discord server, which you can find an invite to on our website or through the link on our Instagram bio. Would you dump the raisins right into the bag? See, this is, I don't know. I think I'd probably have like raisin. God, I've never even tested how to eat raisins, if they taste better out of the bag or in a bowl. I assume just you pour out a handful and it tastes best if they're just coming out of your hand. But mixing it with so the then goldfish. Maybe like, I think the mixing would happen in your mouth. So you put like, eat goldfish, and eat goldfish the, in your mouth the, in, like, and, and raisin? raisin in your mouth. Yeah. Nah, nah. You just got a handful of both. No, you eat one at a time because that's how you get the full flavor. What? Sweet and salty, crunchy and chewy. Yeah. One goldfish, one raisin. Perfect. No, you need more. You need at least three goldfish to one raisin. Okay. 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 Okay, except I only eat goldfish one at a time, so I don't. I don't think I. I don't think this snack is for me. We got to do science about it. Science.